you turn with me uh, in your Bibles tonight to Psalm uh, 5. Psalm 5, we'll be reading that as our uh, scripture focus uh, tonight. So we continue uh, through the book of Psalms. We've been looking at the Psalms together. And as we consider a special time of prayer as a congregation at the end of this service, uh, every psalm we turn to is really a, a prayer uh, of some sort, and so we can be wonderfully helped again tonight as we come uh, to this psalm. So Psalm 5, this is the word of the living God. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray, O Lord, In the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. If you're not a God who delights in wickedness, evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there's no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave and they flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for opportunity again to come before you and to be in the scripture together to hear your word, Lord. We know that uh, you have told us that this is the very breathed out word of our God and it's profitable to us. And so we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would take this psalm, etch it upon our heart, use it, Lord, to draw us closer to you even tonight. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Dale Davis is a uh, very helpful uh, Bible uh, commentator. He's written a lot of commentaries on books of the Old Testament. And uh, thinking about this psalm, Dale Davis wrote this, The best posture for praying is to realize that we need help for praying. We begin prayer by praying, Lord, teach us to pray. And mature believers find themselves praying that petition again and again. And then he says this, And I have a suspicion that in the Holy Spirit's filing cabinet, there is a folder marked Instruction in Prayer. And inside, among others, is a copy of Psalm 5. In this psalm, David teaches us how to pray when we are in dangerous uh, and lousy circumstances. Uh, That's helpful from from Dale Davis. Well, we don't know exactly what the uh, circumstances were for David as he wrote this fifth psalm, but there was plenty of such uh, lousy circumstances, wasn't there, in the life of David. So uh, there's, there's plenty of opportunities where this psalm... Uh, would have been appropriate. But indeed, there's instruction for us in prayer tonight uh, from the psalmist. First of all, we want when we think of prayer, uh, we hear from David that prayer is uh, first 
and not a last resort. Prayer is a first and not a last resort. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray, O Lord. In the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you. Uh, and, and watch. I don't know if you've ever heard the uh, uh, expression, or perhaps you've said it yourself, something like this to someone who's in need. You may have uh, said this without even thinking. You may have said, well, uh, the least I can do is pray. Have you ever said that? Or maybe it was that a West Coast thing. I don't know. Uh, or maybe that's just a Moker thing. I don't know. But I've, I've said that before. And uh, almost immediately, uh, uh, the Lord uh, you know, slaps me a little bit. And uh, what are you saying? The least you can do is pray. Because what we're unconsciously saying, if you've ever said that or heard that, is this. I wish, you know, I wish I could do something that was actually helpful. Uh, and useful, and practical, and meaningful. But if you can't think of any way that I can really help, I'll pray. And uh, or you might hear someone say, "Well, if all if all else fails, pray." And that happens sometimes. Sometimes we think of prayer as uh, the least we can do. There's many more things that are more helpful we could do for someone uh, rather than speak to the God of the universe about it. And we fall into that sometimes. Well, David turns to the Lord first, we find in this psalm. Verse 3, he says, O Lord, in the morning. That's uh, when he wakes up, in the morning, first thing. You hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you uh, and watch. Uh, there's really an uh, allusion here to what uh, Pastor Andrew's been talking about in the evening worship services in Leviticus chapter 6. Just last week, actually, last Sunday evening, uh, we read in Leviticus 6 about the priest. Uh, preparing a sacrifice uh, in the morning. Actually, here in the psalm, it just reads, uh, it just reads, in the morning I prepare for you and watch. But the word prepare is that word that's used uh, in Leviticus 6 of the priests, where they prepare in the morning very carefully uh, on the altar a sacrifice uh, for God. Here it could be translated, in the morning I direct my prayer to you. It simply means David begins the day uh, prepared to meet with God, watching for God, seeking God, asking God that he would graciously, uh, condescendingly uh, bend his ear to David and that he might hear his words, his groanings, and his cries. Uh, you get the impression that for David, when he's thinking about speaking with God, he's not thinking about fancy prayers. You know, no fancy prayer required. Uh, talking to someone in our church a couple weeks ago. They've got fancy water in their house. Um, you know, fancy water as opposed to normal water. Well, no fancy prayers. Uh, David, just normal prayers. In fact, they're just words. They're groanings. Uh, they're his cries. No flowery words. No polished words. The Lord hears it all. Now, one of the wonderful things about when you're reading the Psalms, when you're reading uh, Hebrew poetry, uh, you may have heard of... Um, uh, parallelism, that's a, a Hebrew poetic uh, use or device, where a very similar statement is repeated several times in the Psalms or in the Proverbs, but when it's repeated, there's an, just an additional nuance to, uh, to, um, uh, in the repetition to bring out uh, more and, and more. And that happens here. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Uh, give attention to the sound of my cry. And so it's this, this growing cry of David to be heard. Uh, by the Lord. It says Jeff Thomas, we are all little people speaking to Jehovah 
The God who is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. David, a sinner, is addressing this immensely glorious God, and he pleads, will you give ear to these words of mine? He doesn't take it for granted, says Thomas, that God is bound to drop everything he's doing whenever David mumbles a few words. He pleads, give ear, consider, uh, give attention uh, to my words. Uh, David also comes humbly, my king and my God, in verse, in verse 2. Even though David himself uh, is the king, he comes humbly before the one he knows to be the king of kings. First things first. Prayer is a first, not a last resort. In the morning, says David, you will hear my voice. And we have to ask ourselves, of course, in what direction are we turning? Am I turning? Are you turning? First thing uh, in your day. Who or what are you watching for? Jesus, of course, would say, see, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in the New Testament. Often we will find Jesus early in the morning uh, going to be with his father. First things, first things, first uh, in a former day, uh, a Christian would begin the day as they wake up uh, reaching for their Bible, gathering their family uh, around the table to hear the Bible read first thing in the morning. Now, our first reach is uh, often for the, you know, often for the for the phone, you know, our phone. Uh, we might be reaching for a podcast first thing in the morning. We might be reaching for a computer screen. Uh, first thing in the morning. But not, notice, David not only turns to the Lord first, but uh, he's also watching for God as he prays. First things, in first in the morning. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you uh, and, and watch. And it's a wonderful thing, because as he begins the day with God, as he pours out his heart to God to begin the day, uh, he's also then watching throughout the day for how God will answer his prayer. He's looking out expectantly, anticipating what God might do because he's gone to God first. Uh, anticipating, watching. Kind of like when grandchildren are watching in the window when they know that grandparents are going to come for a visit. Or uh, when an Australian uh, throws a boomerang. Right? He's looking for it to return. Right? We, we pray knowing there will be some kind of answer by God. Sometimes that answer uh, will be different than we expect, but we pray and we know he hears. And so uh, we watch for him. Again, says Thomas this, it's a sin. It's a sin to ask God for something and not expect an answer, not to be looking out for answers. We know we'll either get what we've asked for or we'll get what we should have asked for. But if we believe that God hears and answers our prayers, then let's be watching out for the answers. Uh, this is illustrated in the scripture in the New Testament. When, remember, the early church is praying. Peter is in prison and uh, the early church is praying. And then the Lord miraculously releases Peter out of prison and Peter shows up at the door where they're praying. And uh, Rhoda, the servant girl, goes out to, you know, who's at the door and, and then tells, tells the church, well, it's Peter. And they tell her, you've got to be out of your mind. It can't be Peter. <laughs> so, no doubt, you know, they're praying as the church and God answers that prayer, but they weren't watching for how God would answer. Likewise, we could be watching for God to do something marvelous in our life or in our family, in the children, in our children, in the church, in the nation, but never look to Him in prayer. It's pray, first things first, 
Watch for God to answer. The Lord will never build his church here at Faith Church unless we are a praying and a watching people. Prayer is a first, not a last resort. Prayer is about delighting in holiness and hating evil. You, says David in verse 4, are not a God who delights in wickedness. This is the God to whom he prays, whom he begins with every day. For you're not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evil doers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Notice how verse 4 begins. It starts with that little word for or because. And so the point is here that uh, every morning, first things first, David begins with God. Why? Because he starts with God because he knows uh, that God is holy and pure. So this is important because David here is encouraged in his approach to the Lord because he knows that his God is absolutely, are you convinced of this? Absolutely, necessarily, eternally opposed to all wickedness, evil, boasting, lies, bloodthirsty, and deceitful men and things. David knows that, so he goes to God. He knows he's perfectly pure, this God. He's perfect, sinless, pure. And his God, David knows, has a holy hatred. A holy hatred. The kind of hatred... Uh, which is the, uh, the necessary flip side, mind you, of the holy love of God. Perfect love demands perfect hatred. If you love someone perfectly, you can't love someone perfectly uh, unless you perfectly hate all that, all that destroys them, all that attacks them. Right? A perfect love uh, demands a perfect hate, a love of goodness and uh, holiness and righteousness and truth. David knows demands hatred of evil and wickedness and lies. It's a wonderful thing. Habakkuk one three says that the Lord is the Lord is too pure uh, to look upon evil. That is to dwell upon the sight of evil. Not that he doesn't see evil. He's sovereign and. He's God and He knows all things. He knows all our sin. But the Bible says He's too pure to dwell on it. It can't exist in His presence because, because he, is so, he is so holy. You may have heard the expression, uh, God hates the sin uh, but loves the sinner and thought that that came uh, right from the Bible. Well, you'd be wrong. Because the Bible says... In verse 5, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Evildoers, not evil. Those who speak lies, not simply lies. The bloodthirsty and deceitful man, not simply the bloodthirsty deed. Now, why is this important? Because we cannot uh, so easily separate our sin or the sins we commit uh, from the sinners we are. People sin because they delight in sin. We are not just people who commit sins, but the Bible says our bigger problem is that we are actually sinners. And those two things in the Bible cannot be separated. 
And that's why the Bible says that apart from Jesus, we are children of wrath. Because God's wrath is poured out upon not just sin, but upon sinners. Because he hates, he hates sin. And so David will pray in this psalm uh, that the wicked would fall because of their ongoing rebellion against God in verses 9 and 10. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out. For they have rebelled uh, against, against you. Notice here, David comes to the Lord and he has a problem that has driven him to God. And his problem uh, is, is people. Now, other, uh, other Psalms will find that David recognizes that uh, uh, his biggest problem, of course, is himself. Uh, that he is a sinner. And so in Psalm 32, 5, for instance, David will say, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And so David is well aware that he is a sinner, uh, fully dependent on grace himself. But he comes to the Lord because he knows that the Lord is holy and righteous and cannot look upon evil. And he seems to be surrounded by evil. And wickedness. And for David, it was in his own family. Right? How can you get much more wicked than his son Amnon sinning wickedly against his sister Tamar? Or David's son Absalom then murdering his brother Amnon? Or then David's son Absalom uh, wanting his own dad dead? That's, it's wicked. There's, there, and of course, there's David's own wickedness that he had to deal with, but there was wickedness and evil uh, all around him. Of course, it's this verse, verse 9, that is then quoted in Romans 3, 13, uh, when the New Testament describes uh, Jew and Gentile all alike apart from Christ. There's no one righteous, no not one, for there's no truth in their mouth, and so forth. This verse that David's talking about, that's the case of all those who are outside of Christ. But notice here the fact that uh, the fact that God is holy, that doesn't make David David sad. Uh, David doesn't believe that he needs to offer some kind of justification for God and his holiness at this point. That God is spotlessly holy uh, draws David to him because he sees he sees all this wickedness and evil around him. But he knows that God is holy and just. And as with Abraham, he knows that uh, uh, the God of the universe will do what is just and right. And so he comes before him. This is important for us as we pray. First things first. As a first resort, not a last. Coming to this holy God who hates all that is evil. Now, if we come to a God that hates all that is evil, and that's what characterizes our God, that's what characterizes David and those who follow a sinless Savior, uh, what's that supposed to do for us? Well, that means that the evil and wickedness around us must drive us uh, to seek Him all the more. And if the evil that is in our world and all around us cannot dwell with God, how can it sit comfortably with us? It can't. We serve a holy and a pure and a righteous God. So when we see evil, when we see wickedness, when we see boasting, when we see lying, when we see uh, all this unrighteousness in ourselves, first of all, but then in the world around us, it, it's meant to drive us to God, that the God of, uh, God of the universe, the God of all justice and righteousness would do what is right. 
whether it's persecution in our own life, whether it's persecution of the church and other nations, uh, no matter what the wickedness is in our own land, whatever it might be, we go to God, for he is the Holy One. So prayer delights in holiness, hates evil. Prayer is dependent on grace and longs to be led. Prayer is dependent on grace and longs to be led. Notice what David says, verse 7, but I... So in contrast to the the wickedness and the evil that he sees all around him, but I, uh, through the abundance of your steadfast love, this is what I'm going to do. I will enter your house and I will bow down toward your holy temple uh, in the fear of you. So here's David now contrasting himself with the boastful and the wicked in verse 7. But notice what he doesn't say as well as what he does say. So as he thinks about the wicked and evil, he doesn't say this, but I... Unlike these wicked and evil and boastful men, uh, am quite a fine chap as I come into your presence. Uh, or as the Pharisee said in Luke 18, the fir- remember the first thing of his prayer was, O oh Lord, I thank you that I am not like, you, like these folks. David doesn't play the comparison game when he comes to God in prayer. Uh, say, Lord, I... You know, oh, I'm so thankful I'm not like these people in the United States of America who are so wicked and evil. No, he says, but I, um, through the abundance of your steadfast love, or it could be translated, um, uh, in the abundance of your unfailing love, I enter your house. And so for David, uh, as he prays, uh, and as he bows down in reverence and fear before the Lord, he's, he's absolutely convicted, as he comes to God in prayer, of being a debtor, uh, a debtor to grace. That's how he's able to enter the house of the Lord. That's how he's able to have a relationship with the Lord. That's why he, uh, he takes joy in the fellowship of the saints. Uh, why? Well, through, uh, through the, uh, the abundance of the steadfast love, that is that hesed, that is that mercy, that covenant faithfulness. Because of that abundant mercy and faithfulness of God, he's in the house of the Lord. He's not among the wicked and the evil anymore because of the abundant love of the Lord. He knows he's a debtor to grace. This is important, right? Because it's not simply at the beginning of our Christian life that we're a debtor to grace. But every time, every time we come before the Lord, we remember that we are a debtor to grace. Every minute, every morning, every moment, bow down in thankfulness and in reverent fear before the Lord. That's, that's how David enters. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? I wonder, is that how we generally enter the house of God today? That's on our mind. We are a debtor to grace. The only reason I can be in the house of the Lord is through His abundant love to me. That's why I'm here. It's the only reason. And so I bow down in reverent fear. I remember the first, uh, uh, first internship I had in a church. First time I think I was leading a worship service many years ago. And I got into the pulpit and people were gathering for worship. And, and I hadn't done this very much, of course, at all, really. And so... I wasn't sure what, and uh, so folks were coming in, and I saw one fellow, he came in and sat down in the third or fourth row. I'd never seen this before, but he had like a bowl of popcorn. Um, and, uh, you know, I was new, I didn't know the church too well, so I didn't know. Oh, uh, but afterwards I thought, why? Oh, 
that seems a little strange. I, you know, I, know that, I know that when we go to the movies, you know, we get a, a drink and a popcorn and, and we're just, because we're being entertained and such, but is that really, you know, when we're coming into the, the meeting with the, the king and it just didn't seem to make sense. But when we come into the house of the Lord, we're only, we're debtors to grace and that's why we're here. There's a wonderful hymn in our hymnal, A Debtor to Mercy Alone. And you remember Jeremiah in Lamentation Three, uh, that uh, his mercies and faithfulness are new every morning. So prayer is, you're de- you know, you're dependent on grace and longing to be led. Listen to what David says. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies, because all this around me, uh, these lousy circumstances, my family's against me. Make your way straight before me. Lead me, Lord. Dependent on your grace. Lead me, Lord. Lead me. I've never had a, uh, a police escort, but I think that would be fun. Like if there's some kind of, you know, some kind of disturbance and everyone's packed on the bridge or something and you're in a traffic jam, I can just imagine, you know, maybe the police say, hey, let me, you know, you can have a police escort. And then, then you just get in behind the police car and the police leads and you just follow that policeman through <laughs> and you're, you're led through. All the way. You just, you just need to follow. Surrounded out these circumstances of David, comes to God first. Uh, he's, he, he's crying out to Him. He knows He's holy. He, he knows He hates evil. And He comes dependent on grace. And He comes, Lord, lead me in this situation. I don't know where to go. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know where to step or to walk next. This is the heart of the prayer of a child of God. Often we're confused about where we should be going and what we should be doing. And then it's good for us to remember that I, first of all, am a follower. I'm a follower of the Lord. I'm a follower of Jesus. He is the leader. He is the one that leads me. I need to seek Him out and to walk in His his ways. A disciple is a follower of Christ, said Peter to Jesus. When Jesus turned to Peter, said, Are you going to leave us, to leave me too? And Peter said, No, Lord, where else can we go? Now, you have the words of eternal life. We're not going anywhere. Stay close to follow you. He's the one who directs our path, and especially David knew that when he was surrounded by enemies, he needed the Lord to lead him through. Simply show me where to walk, the next step to take. Oh, friends, how we need to pray this prayer. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness. We need to pray it for our nation. Lead our our government leaders, Lord. We need to pray it at work. Lead me, Lord, to know what next... We need to pray it in the church. Lead us, Lord, in the way of righteousness. We are your followers. We need to pray it in our families. We need to pray it for our children. We need to pray it in times of suffering. And whenever we need to make any kind of decision, lead us. Lead us, Lord. Well, the last thing quickly here in this prayer from David. Not only are we uh, dependent on grace, looking to be led, but we're also, David says, we're, we're those who sing for joy as we pray. And we're exalting, rejoicing in his name. Just these last two verses. But all, let all who take refuge in you, verse 11, rejoice. Let them who are dependent on grace, who enter the house of God, dependent on His mercy, let them ever sing for joy. 
and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you for or because you bless the righteous, O Lord, and you cover him with favor as with a shield. Oh, the wonderful thing here is David expresses here in the close of his prayer the the joy and the song that fills the heart of those who take refuge in the Lord, of those believers who know that uh, they have received mercy instead of judgment, grace instead of punishment, uh, forgiveness instead of condemnation, knowing that while we were yet sinners, uh, Christ died for us. This is what this is all about, taking refuge in him. But friends, this beautiful picture is what we need to end with tonight. David knows that this Lord in whom we take refuge, he looks to him to spread his protection uh, over his people. uh, For he knows that the Lord covers his people with favor uh, as with uh, as with a shield. This is the wonderful confidence that David has as he comes to the Lord uh, in prayer, that the Lord covers his people with favor as with a shield. The word for shield, there can be, uh, there's two words for shield. One is that little shield that uh, you just hold in your hand, uh, like this, just in front of you. But there's another kind of shield uh, in Bible times, and that's the word for shield here. And that's the, that's, the, that's the full body shield. That's the kind of shield we couldn't even pick up with our own hands today, probably, because it would be so big and so, uh, so heavy. This is what the Lord does for his people. Another translation is this. You will wrap him round with favor. Uh, as with uh, a shield. This is the word that is used in this psalm. This is what we believe about our, about our Lord. It's the picture of, a, of again, a mother hen um, when there's a hawk coming and uh, endangering her chicks. Uh, they are covered over uh, in love and care and protection. It's the very image that the Lord Jesus uses as he looks out over Jerusalem and says, I... I long to uh, uh, call you to myself and, 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 and cover you under, under the protection of my wings, even as a mother hen gathers, gathers her chicks. This is what those who found refuge in the Lord have. They have the protection and cover of grace as a shield of their Lord who loves them and who cares for, for them. And the wonderful things, friends, is that those who do that, the psalmist knows, those who've taken refuge in the Lord, Uh, Depending on his grace, seeking him first, knowing that he hates evil, that he delights in holiness, and so does his people. Those who find refuge in him, the psalmist says, let them ever sing for joy. That is, the, that, is the, that is where the psalmist is, is left here. Yes, the circumstances are lousy, but he has a song uh, and he has joy uh, in his heart. And notice he says, let him ever sing for joy. That means the Christian who finds refuge in the Lord, refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ, despite the circumstances around us, uh, always has a song in their heart. Whether they're at church, whether they're at work, whether they're at home, uh, or whether they're in the shower, uh, there is a song in the heart of the Christian. It's a song that exalts in the grace and the mercy of God. So friends, this is great help. For our prayers. He surrounds his people with his favor. And just one last word. How did David, how do we see this in the life of David? Well, you might remember that one day there was a time when David went out to visit his brothers and the whole 
Israelite camp was under uh, was under attack, and uh, there was this Philistine named Goliath, and uh, David offered himself to go to do battle, and uh, Saul was concerned that David simply was not up for the task. I mean, how could you possibly uh, face uh, this giant? And so David told Saul a story about how uh, the Lord had delivered him from the bear. The Lord had delivered him uh, from the lion. And he will deliver me uh, from this uncircumcised Philistine. You see, he went forward to service, confidence uh, that he was covered over uh, with favor by God as with a shield. This is the truth for the believer that we can take to heart tonight. And even as we go into prayer tonight, too, uh, that we, too, know this great God. So let's pray uh, together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy to us. We thank you for this uh, psalm that is filled with great instruction for us, Lord. And we're so thankful that you remind us tonight that uh, first things first, that we are to come to you and seek you. And that's what we uh, do tonight, Lord, too, as we close our service and sing with a song in our heart. But also, Lord, then as we go to a time of prayer, Lord, where we come before you confident in your, your grace, confident in your mercy, knowing that you are the holy God, asking you to lead us, Lord, to lead us uh, in your righteousness, that we indeed might know that we have uh, a Savior, a King, Redeemer, who will go with us, who delivers us from all troubles, uh, who is our God and who is our King. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to